Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the one and only podcast where you can talk Long Beach State sports with the head man himself, Andy Fee, the Long Beach State Athletic Director. As always, the LB Fee Show is hosted by the562.org. I am Mike Gardabasio here on behalf of the 562 today, and uh, I'm super excited to talk to Andy. We're doing kind of a special year-end episode here. It's just me talking to Andy, and we've got something great capital G, capital R-E-A-T, exclamation point, uh, to talk about with the news that broke a couple of days ago that Long Beach State has hired uh, alum, three-time All-American as a player, had a very successful assistant coaching career as well. Uh, Tyler Hildebrand is coming home to the beach to coach the women's volleyball program. Uh, Andy, how are you doing? And uh, congratulations on the hire. Well, very excited to be here as always with you and to talk about uh, beach athletics and first, you know, happy holidays to everybody out there. And yes, we have a new women's volleyball coach, Tyler Hildebrand, who is an absolute rock star. And I, as I keep saying, I couldn't be more thrilled to have his leadership now. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about his pedigree and why everyone's so excited about this. But um, the first thing I just wanted to ask you is, I mean, from our perspective, I haven't seen a reaction to a hire like this um, ever. I mean, you've made some great hires. Eric Valenzuela has obviously ended up being a, a really great guy to lead the dirtbags, but it's safe to say that this is the splashiest hire, the biggest name hire um, in a sport at Long Beach State, I, probably since George Allen. I mean, you know, Tyler's a guy who's really at the top of, of the coaching profession in volleyball, really well-known nationally. What has the reaction been like for you is just has been a couple of days of getting to look at happy text messages and exclamation points and, and how much are you enjoying that yeah well it's great you know I always focus on doing what I believe to be the best thing in the interest of our athletes and sometimes people don't agree with me and that's fine but I've always focused on what's the best for our athletes and program and it's great when everything aligns and everybody's happy and agrees to what the quote best thing appears to be uh, so yes, it is nice. I won't lie. It is nice um, to see because it makes me happy that our fan base and our athletes and community are happy and excited about it. So, um, you know, it, 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 that's not always the case, but um, this is to me, as you said, a monumental hire. And I think people realize what a great coach that Tyler is. And the other thing is, you know, he, he's coming from Nebraska, which is arguably the best program in the country right now, um, even though they lost in the championship game the other night. But um, in terms of who is kind of, um, you know, the, the biggest story out there year in and year out with, you know, averaging, you know, almost 9000 fans a game or whatever it is um, to what they do. Tyler was in line to be the next head coach, you know, John Cook, their head coach, he's not stepping down now, um, but Tyler was in line, you know, it was a waiting game for him um, to, to wait there and say, well, should I wait and see how long coach Cook goes and continue to be part of a great program Um, or to come home and be a part of something really special and a history that is off the charts. So I am, just so excited and happy that our fans and athletes and community 
seem to be really excited. I mean, we're selling season tickets in advance now for, you know, fall. And I, I did, I did. I was going to say, Andy, you know, you've made a big hire when I'm getting emails about get your deposits down for season tickets in December for a fall sport in 2022. Right. <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice feature to be able to, to, to push and plug away on. And it shows that people to me, um, it's, you know, fans investment, right? They're, they're willing to put their money down um, in advance on something that they necessarily haven't seen yet, but believe in. And, you know, we've already been getting an increase in donations in support of women's volleyball and volleyball here at the beach. So, you know, the investment from President Conley and the campus and the community and fans really talks about why this place is so special and why we continue to push and invest in volleyball and we use phrases like volleyball you, um, I'll, you know, segue a little bit here off subject, but beach volleyball is now going from eight teams um, in the NCAA tournament. There was only eight teams. It's now going to 16 teams. And we've always been in, if we didn't, you know, win the big West or, you know, our RPI wasn't high enough. We've always been kind of in out, maybe last team in out. We've made it a couple of years. Well, we should be firmly in the mix now um, as one of the top 16 programs in the country. So, you know, there's an opportunity to compete for, you know, championships, national championships. The men have done it. The women have historically done it. We need a little work to get back. But this is why we invest in these programs, because they have won and will win at a very high level. I think if I can speak you know, from the perspective of having covered the school for, you know, 15 years and, and been around it for 20 years, including my time as a student, it seems like there's always been, I wouldn't say an identity crisis, but I would say there have just been different ideas between fans, coaches, um, and administrators about what's the emphasis? Are we, are, are we the dirtbags plus a, a mid-major program? Are we mid-major basketball teams that have a chance to become a Gonzaga or something where that's the, the thing? Or, are we a volleyball school where, you know, we're having a chance to compete for national championships? From my perspective, and I'm a volleyball guy, I, I really love that sport. You know, it's, it's sort of always been obvious that volleyball would be the thing that I would put out front, just because the men's team had been close to winning a national championship for so long. The women's team, you mentioned the historical success. And what it kind of feels like right now is you see the momentum, you know, around the women's basketball program, you see the momentum around the dirt bags, and with you guys making this higher is, you know, it really kind of feels like, knock on wood, you've got all the plates spinning at once right now. You sort of have that feeling like you're, you're, you know, obviously a full cycle of athletes deep into your tenure as an athletic director. Are you starting to, as we're closing 2021 here, look around and go, this is what I was trying to, you know, bring this athletic department to? Yeah, I, I don't see things as mutually exclusive, meaning that in order to win at basketball, you can't win in volleyball or vice versa. Um, I, I don't feel that we should put limits on ourselves necessarily, self-impose them when they're not, they're not real. If we're just doing it because we say that, that's not the right action plan. So I think, you know, working with President Conley is we want success across the board. Um, you know, we, we obviously need basketball. It's a super high visible revenue sport. We do need those programs to win and, and, and be out there in front. But at the same time, same with volleyball, same with water polo or softball. I don't, I don't feel, and, and, and the plan, you know, really was to get to a point where 
we're hitting on all cylinders. Um, you know, I think you know, we've got to get men's basketball going. You know, Coach Munson and his staff are working hard, but we need to get that program going. But we've got women's hoop going, as you said. Uh, men's volleyball has been, you know, been great. Uh, water polo is rolling, softball, the tennis programs, the golf. I mean, I'm leaving people out, but I mean, we're competing yeah. across the board um, in, in what's going on. So, you know, the goal is that when people look at us, you know, maybe in, during a season, they might go, oh, okay, the dirt bags, right? But that doesn't mean that two months later, when soccer season starts, that, you know, hey, soccer, right? Football, Mauricio, let's, right. let's roll. Or, you know, hey, it's now women's volleyball season, let's go. So I, I feel like because we have multiple seasons, we can, we can throw those teams out there certainly all year long, but during their seasons, they can be those lead horses in the caravan, so to speak. So that's the plan. That's what we're going to keep working on is, is raising, you know, all of our programs up so that, you know, we're competing for commissioner's cup and national championships. That's, that's our goal. Our annual goal is to win the commissioner's cup and two national championships. Now there might be years where we don't do it, but that's our goal. That's what we're trying to do here. Right. Well, that sounds good to me. I mean, I, you know, no notes on that plan from Mike Gardabasio. Um, <laughs> I do want to talk about, you, you know, it, it's one thing to, to say those words, but it's another thing to have the investment across the board. And I think that's where when I talked about administrators feeling that different sports should be prioritized, you do have a pie at some point that you have to slice up, right? And so what I think has the volleyball community at Long Beach State so exciting is you guys are investing in this team and, you know, in the, in the coaches and in, and in that program to a point where the narrative has been over the last 15 years, Hey, the power fives are coming for women's volleyball, right? Like this is going to be, instead of women's basketball, they're putting a lot more money into women's volleyball. And so a sport that like men's volleyball, mid-majors had had a lot of success in, including Long Beach state at the top of that uh, list, obviously, all of a sudden you're seeing football team schools in the final four in the elite eight. And what you guys are saying is we are not going to just go along with that narrative of, okay, you know, the, the, the age is over or something like that. And I think that's really excited everyone. And I do want to just give a couple highlights on why everyone's so fired up about Tyler Hildebrand, uh, three-time all American setter at Long Beach state, still the career assist leader for the men's volleyball program. Coached under Alan Knight and put together was really the, you know, point person putting together the recruiting class that I've said I think is the best recruiting class in school history with uh, TJ DeFalco, Kyle Ensign, Josh Juninga, three national player of the year honors, two national championships uh, out of those guys, pretty successful. Um, Tyler then goes, he coaches at Nebraska, they make the Elite Eight every year that he's there. Um, he runs the beach volleyball program for USA Volleyball in the Olympics. And uh, he had to apologize to me when I interviewed him yesterday because his voice was hoarse from having coached in a national championship uh, 36 hours prior. <laughs> so it's, you know, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say this is the top target in the country um, and he's coming home. I, I, don't, I don't really know what else to say about that other than, again, I mean, I, there have been guys that you have found the coaches that you've found who are sort of diamonds in the rough, but this is a, this is different, right? I mean, this is a different pursuit for you guys to say we're hunting big game. We want to hire someone that all these other power five schools would like to hire. How did you approach that? And, and what was the timeline like with Tyler and in, in sort of putting this thing together? Yeah. So our goal was to create an, an open, inclusive, diverse pool. 
Um, you know, and I always say I have people I probably want to talk to in searches, but I am a open book, meaning you just never know who you're going to get or who might pop up or who might be available or unavailable. Um, so, you know, I guess in my mind, I didn't really see him as a target. I mean, yeah, I was like, probably that's the person I want to talk to, but where they are is an unbelievable space and being the associate head coach in Nebraska and being, you know, the, the coach in waiting, well, that's a tough nut to crack. Um, you know, how, how are you going to prize someone away with, with all of that? Yeah. Well, uh, let me let me share that I I talked with you and with Alan Knight, you know, shortly after the position opened up and that was sort of the consensus among everyone, right? It was like, well, yes. I think it was literally like, yes, in a dream world that would be amazing. But there's a lot of hurdles between <laughs> you know, where we are and that happening. Right. So, you know, where do we go? So, you know, the 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 search was a great search. I mean, we had multiple head coaches in the search, sitting head coaches, um, associate head coaches. I mean, we formally interviewed seven people, um, you know, but speaking directly to Tyler, you know, he, he called me and said, Hey, I'm interested. And I was like, well, are you really interested? Or, you know, are you just calling to say, Hey, I got some names and, you know, but are you really, is this something real or is it your heart kind of going, Oh, you know, what a, well, you know, coming home would be wonderful, but, you know, we talked and we talked about investment too. Um, he wants to be somewhere that he can compete for championships. So to have President Conley, you know, put, you know, money where her mouth is when she talks about wanting to be successful and to, and to win, um, to be able to increase some resources there um, to give Tyler a view that this is where I want to be one. Yeah, homecoming, kind of no brainer. Why wouldn't you, right? but to come home and be a place you could win. Because as you said, Tyler is a candidate, was a candidate that, you know, Penn State would come after, Ohio State would come after, you know, who knows, Wisconsin, you know, if any of those jobs ever opened up, yeah. you know, the elite, the, the, the blue bloods today of women's volleyball, they would be kicking down doors to get Tyler. And I think the fact that we hired Tyler I think blew people's minds. I mean, I, you know, if you watch some of the stuff on, on online social media, people still can't go like, well, well right. how and why, and why would he do that? It's I don't not get 1998 it. anymore. What's going on? 100%. Yes. And so, you know, but the reality is, you know, we're, we're putting resources in making that investment because it is a sport where we can compete for championships, the history and the legacy. Um, I spoke to, a dozen plus alums of women's volleyball from Misty May to Trisonia to, I mean, I, the list is long. I mean, and it is the who's who of college volleyball and, and giants and what they talked about. And they talked about the legacy and what the program was built on and what Brian G. Malero was able to create on the court. And I think when we went through the search process, we had great candidates, but Tyler blew people away, uh, you know, on the search committee, his preparation, his understanding. I mean, yes, he, he's not a current sitting head coach, but, you know, part of it is understanding what it's going to be like when you're a head coach. It's just kind of like when I was not an athletic director, you know, I knew I would be learning along the way, but I felt I was prepared. I knew what to expect. I knew what would be coming my way. And that, you know, a lot of times it would be the first time I was doing something, but I was prepared and, and felt prepared. I think the same was for Tyler, that he painted a picture of, look, 
I've sat next to John Cook now for a long time. I've sat next to Alan Knipe. I've been in the Olympic pool. I've seen, I've seen it all. I've learned from so many and I've been keeping notes. I've been writing a book about what, what the future looks like for, for me personally. And so to get someone of that caliber um, is, yeah, like you said, it's a splash and a half and I'm excited and, and our fans are excited and, he is ultimately like a, as I started with, he is the the best person and the right fit for the position, hands down. Not just because he's an alum, and as you said, I've hired alums and I've hired non-alums to be coaches here at Long Beach State. I think it's great when you can find an alum. I mean, that's kind of perfect when you can find an alum that's the best fit, and that's what we got here was someone who you know wore the uniform, albeit on the men's side, but is the right fit, understands the culture, and knows the legacy and I think can mobilize the forces we have here to get us back to where we want to be. Yeah. He made the point to me and he's absolutely right. That if you combine the men's and women's programs and look at that alumni group, there's no university in America that has the group that Long Beach state has. You have so many Olympians, you have so many professional stars, you have so many national players of the year and and other highly awarded players And something that I'm really excited to watch happen, I'm sure you're very excited about as well, is Tyler and Alan were sort of the start of putting together really incredible alumni outreach in the men's program. And um, I think both Alan and Tyler would agree, Nick McRae has really helped to take that to another level on the men's side. But, you know, Tyler told me yesterday, he's like, oh, yeah, I've got the playbook, you know, (laughs) I mean, fully like that's day one, open this thing up and let's get these people um, all of these incredible players re-engage. I think, Andy, you saw some of that happen um, over the last three weeks of the regular season. I know Misty May Trainer had come back out to kind of check in on the team a few times, and, and you heard from some of those alums. So what are your th- – I mean, as an athletic director, you've got to think about the whole picture, whereas a coach you might think would be just more focused on the X's and O's. But that's got to be really huge for you to know that you have a coach coming in who's going to help with a lot of that development work, to be honest, right. To kind of reconnect you guys to that, that incredible history of that program. Yeah. You know, like I said, you know, Mark Edrington, the sports supervisor and I, you know, met, we did zooms and the who's who again of that group is off the charts. I mean, as you said, there is not a university in this country that could point on to both sides, as you said, and go look at this Mount Rushmore of volleyball. And I've, you know, that group immediately reached out to me and said, Hey, what's Tyler's email. I want to welcome him. I want to, you know, whatever I can do, I want to let him know I'm here to help. So I think his previous relationships were key um, as part of this as well as somebody. And it's, it's a unique circumstance. I mean, to to just say like, you're going to come back and, and you know reignite the past is it's easy to say and tough to do and building relationships that's the key right in anything in life i'm stating the obvious here but that takes time you know it'd be great to say if we just brought someone else in that they would just automatically click with all the alums and the community i mean sure i mean that would be great but you don't know that right and even if that was a plan it would still take time so to hit the ground running, you know, as you were saying that, you know, day one, he's going to know Tresonia and say, Hey, what's up, what's going on. And Hey, Misty, you know, what, what's, what's going on here um, is just huge because I think maybe that's something we have lost 
And, um, you know, it's not to blame anybody and it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to times change. Right. And, um, people go through their lives, alums move away. So, you know, always keeping that fire burning is not as easy as it sounds. And again, I'm not blaming anybody for, for that. No, but, but it's, it's like, a, it's like farm work, right? I mean, it, it doesn't matter how good you do one year or two years at that. If you let something go for a couple of years or to be completely honest, I think everyone in the, everyone's struggling with that just because of COVID. I mean, there's a, there's a larger societal disconnection as well over a two year period at this point, but yeah, I mean, it requires, and I've watched them build that on the men's volleyball side. And there's somewhere where that was not a strength, even though they've had the same coach for so long and Alan Knight, but um, with Tyler and Alan working on it with Nick working on it, that's now when I go to a sold out men's volleyball match, I know I'm going to see like a hundred guys that I covered <laughs> playing at the pyramid. And a lot of them are going to have their families with them. A lot of them are going to have friends with them like that. And it's what you said, that's a process that um, is sort of extra above and beyond what I view as, you know, something that coaches do. But when you have someone who has the ability to tap into that, especially at a place like Long Beach State with the history that those volleyball programs have, I think it just makes it that much more special. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's exciting. And as you said, you have to be intentional about it. And, you know, getting into the weeds a little bit, you know, I haven't even really talked to my staff about this. But you know, the sandbar at volleyball, you know, I kind of want to sell it like it's alumni central, you know, and so alums know, hey, come down here, hang out and, you know, open it up community people can come down. So it's not not, you know, that it's so exclusive that it's only certain people, but just to be a home and a space where alums know they can bring their families and hang out and see other families, you know, match after match. And, you know, maybe some matches there's more people and, you know, maybe there might be less depending on the day of the week or something, but just a consistent effort to say, come back men and women, because, you know, and the beach, everybody's so connected in the volleyball world yeah. and these three programs all share the same hallway. So, you know, again, the concept of volleyball U is so critical that we pull in the rope together because there's a lot of universities that have women's volleyball, obviously, 338 or whatever it is. And there's, you know, 50 plus schools that have men's volleyball. And there's, you know, probably 100 or maybe more now that have beach volleyball. But to say that you have all three is pretty rare. There are only a handful of schools that actually have all three at the varsity level and we do and you know you have alums on the women's side right that played indoor misty others that went on and played outdoor on the yeah. beach on the sand and you know the sport didn't exist back then but now it does so again i just think that there's so much in terms of resources that we have that people want to buy into and you know one of the things that's really critical and i've talked about it a little but not a ton is why women's volleyball is so important, like all the things I've said, but women's volleyball, we have five sports that start in the fall and that's our kickoff. So we've got men's and women's cross country, which, you know, I'm a runner, but unfortunately you can't really spectate that sport. Um, and I love pretty good shape just to watch what's happening in that sport. Right. Know? So I love running and I'm, but you know, from in terms of spectator and, and community, we have men's water polo, women's soccer and women's volleyball. Those three need to be very competitive. We need to start the year with positive energy, success, um, you know, what we're known for in, in Long Beach. So it's really important that this program succeeds. It's really important that Mauricio's soccer program succeeds and Gavin Arroyo's water polo. And certainly 
um, you know, Sean Winget and his his cross country programs. But those five, we we got to start strong because that sets the tone for everybody that follows. All the sports that follow are watching those five, going, well, what are they going to do? Right. So um, again, there's a lot of pressure in all of this, but um, I know that under Tyler's leadership. Um, he can bring us back. I, I have no doubts in my mind. I, I know that sounds obvious. What else is Andy going to say? But I don't know. I, and I think, and I, I can't speak for everybody out there in our community, but it certainly seems what I'm hearing, people believe the same thing. Yeah, for sure. And I think he believes it too, which is important. And I, I asked him pretty candidly about that. You know, I so said, you've seen every side of your sport, right? You've won national championships at, at Long Beach State in a mid-major You've been in national championship matches at a program with, you know, that really volleyball is their thing, as you mentioned with Nebraska, and you've also worked with USA volleyball. And so you've seen kind of the highs and lows of that. Um, what do you think of mid-May? What do you think the ceiling is, you know, and, and he, the first thing he talked about was the community and increasing that buy-in um, because, you know, he said, and I, and I, I was there, he said, when I was a freshman, there were 3000 people in the pyramid for women's volleyball. And you can't put, a dollar amount or a trophy there's nothing you can put to sort of really sum up how significant that is and what a different thing that is um not just for sports fans or for the student athletes but for the whole campus that you suddenly have oh now there's a thousand of the forty thousand students however many students are regularly going to go enjoy women's volleyball on the pyramid and then now it's basketball season and then now it's baseball season at blair and it's men's volleyball season right like it, it, it's just, it just adds that as you, you're exactly right. It starts the year off on the right foot, um, you know, especially with getting people into the pyramid like that. So special stuff. Uh, very excited. I could talk to you about this for another hour, but. Uh, <laughs> Me too. We'll, yeah, <laughs> we'll do we'll do a couple more special episodes on this, but uh, let's uh, let's move on and talk about I just mentioned the basketball programs, um, I think along with the NBA and the NFL and the entire rest of the sports world um, the last couple of weeks and the rise of the new uh, much more contagious variant have been a reminder that we are still uh, very much in this pandemic, even though it's obviously been a much more normal uh, fall and winter so far, knock on wood. Um, a couple cancellations each for the men's and women's basketball program due to COVID protocols. Um, can you, what, what's, what's the mood of the athletic department of those teams, Andy, is there that sort of societal fatigue deal with this, you know, issue still being here? Is that what's there or are they finding ways to kind of stay upbeat and, and optimistic about it? Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's a challenge and um, I think we're all in the same space now in that space, there's varying levels and, and nuances to everything, but I think everybody, and this is what I tell the student athletes, I spoke to women's basketball last Wednesday, so two days before we shut down, and I said, look, I am fatigued. I am tired of wearing a mask. You know, I, I'm in the same boat that everybody is. I don't think anybody enjoys wearing a mask. I don't think any, you know, that's not, we're human beings. We, we crave interaction for the most part, most of us. Um, but we know that COVID, you cannot, you really can't. I mean, when you give oxygen to the virus by not wearing a mask, by being unvaccinated, by, you know, social distancing and lack of social distancing, those are the things that fuel the virus. So I think our athletes have done a really good job, to be honest. Um, I don't think they're out there doing things that we don't want them to do. Um, I'm really proud of them. They've sacrificed so much. I, you know, that's why I told our women's basketball team. But I said, this is the point where we have to double down our efforts. And I said, myself included, and 
really mask wearing and just making sure that we're doing the things that, that we need to do, the, the simple things, in my opinion, um, which is vaccination and, and really now is getting our student athletes to get their booster shots. So, right. you know, we, I think we only have maybe eight to 12 athletes that are unvaccinated that have used a religious exemption um, for uh, participation, but everybody else is, is vaccinated with two shots. But I mean, honestly, I, I'm going to get on the soapbox. I'm sure the CDC is going to modify what the definition of fully right. vaccinated is, is to three shots. So we know that's coming. So we're just trying to get our athletes to say, look, the train's coming down the track. Like right. it's better to get your booster shot now. Um, it's better to double down on mask wearing and just, you know, just consistently doing the things that are tough after two years that you just yeah. fatigue. So, you know, we're just trying to reinforce the things that will help us be successful, that will keep us going. And, you know, it, it, I tell the athletes all the time, I go, ultimately it comes down to you. What you choose to do or not do is going to affect everything that happens here. So if you want to have women's basketball season and have a really great year, the opportunity is there, but you're going to have to make sacrifices. So I think moving forward, um, you know, we'll be in a good place in terms of what we're doing in terms of booster shots. I mean, I know athletes now are, are getting booster shots. So um, I guess we have to weather this storm here for the next month or so. And hopefully we can keep pushing forward. Hopefully we can keep people safe. Hopefully if they've gotten their booster shot, if they do get sick, um, that it's very mild symptoms, um, which we've seen so far with right. the, our athletes on, in basketball who have tested positive. So again, it's, it's a challenge because it's, it's just draining, but you know, the, the carrot, I guess, is to compete. That's what our athletes love to do. They want to compete. So I think we're in a good space. It's, it's, it is tough. Um, they are fatigued, but I do think being back this year and watching those fall sports, energize them to say, okay, maybe it looks a little different. You know, there's COVID protocols, but we're playing volleyball, right. soccer, water polo, cross country. And there's fans inside and all that stuff that everyone people had hoped are, for, for sure. People are cheering us on. So we'll just continue to work with local public health, our campus uh, student health center and president Conley and campus leadership to keep this thing moving. Cause that's, that's our goal. All right. Well, uh, as I mentioned up top, this is our last LBF show of the calendar year. Uh, we will be back the first week of January with our men's volleyball preview with head coach uh, Alan Knight. Very excited for that. Um, we were talking about it being volleyball. You, they're uh, ranked number four in the country in the preseason rankings, and uh, I saw that and I was angry because I felt like it was too low. So that's a, a good sign <laughs> how healthy things are on the men's side, uh, as they've got a couple of number one recruiting classes in since uh, since last season. Um, so very excited to see what they do and to have uh, Alan on. But before we close this uh, show, it is our holiday uh, show uh, and our, our New Year's show. So Andy. What are your plans for, uh, for, you know, Christmas, the holiday break? Are you getting any kind of a break? And uh, maybe give us a couple of New Year's resolutions as well. Yeah, so uh, getting a break, uh, <laughs> hopefully a break. The plan is to have a, a break, uh, to spend time um, with family and parents. Um, yeah, that was my plan too. And I noticed we're both in our offices right now. So <laughs> yeah, strange how that, how, how that happens. But 
the plan is to gather, but uh, we will we will all get tested prior to gathering so that we uh, we have negative test results. Uh, you know, so we want to be careful. Um, really, you know, I'm looking forward to unplugging a little bit, um, watching mindless holiday movies with Chevy Chase and 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 the classics, right? And um, just being thankful and grateful for what we and I have in my life. Um, you know, maybe it's introspective as we continue to go through COVID is to remind ourselves what we're thankful for, meaning I know we have a lot of frustrations and things we don't like, but we also have a lot of things that we can be grateful for, even small things. So I'm working to remind myself to be grateful for those things, my wife, my family, uh, my beach family, everybody here in the podcast that I'm so fortunate to get to work with and, and be around. So that's exciting. You know, one thing I do want to call out um, in terms of gratitude is recognizing uh, one of our senior administrators retirement, Ashley Kite. Uh, Ashley is retiring on the 31st um, from Long Beach State and has worked in the industry for, I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to use a number because I was I, about to say, uh, that's it, right? <laughs> well, let's just say very experienced administrator. She's a veteran. Um, She's a veteran administrator. A veteran yes. and uh, one of the, the greats, honestly. And we've been lucky to have Ashley here um, serving as both the senior women's administrator following Cindy Mazner's retirement and, and just her role and the internal side of things here. I, I really can tell you that my job is made easier by having great individuals around me, really smart people, hopefully smarter than me. Um, that that do a fantastic job and her her skill set and her knowledge her experience I mean it's easy to just go hey Ash well, like what do you think about this or what what am I missing here and I know our staff we're gonna miss her um, we wish her the best she's she's gonna enjoy retirement uh, you know we're gonna keep her on board working some special projects though uh, on the side but I do want to thank Ashley for her service for our student athletes and all of us, we're all grateful to Ashley Kite. Um, you can, know, I, can, I, can I just jump in and say that for, for uh, JJ and I have been sports writers together in Long Beach for 14 years. And for most of those 14 years, the idea of retirement to me has sounded like, kind of like bad, you know, like, well, why would I ever not want to be doing this? And over the last uh, nine months or so, as we talked about the COVID fatigue, you're saying her last day at work is, is next Friday, December 31st. And something in my heart was like, oh my God, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds amazing. So <laughs> congrats to Ashley on a well-timed retirement as well. <laughs> yes. Timing in life is everything, as I always say. And uh, she's young enough to do a lot, um, you For know, sure. on, on, on what her passions are and um, exciting, you know, in terms of, um, you know, resolutions, I think it's a continuation for me. And that's, as I was just talking, to remind myself to be grateful. I get stressed out just like everybody else. I'm, I'm a human being. And one thing that has helped me over the last two years, I guess now, is when I'm frustrated and I just want to bang my head against the wall um, to remind myself how, how great I have it. I work at a great university for a great president with great colleagues and coaches and student athletes. And I just remind myself, not everybody gets to say what I get to say. So, you know, my real resolution is to continue to be grateful and to show gratitude for those things and not just take, you know, assuming that everybody knows how grateful I am. So gratitude, showing gratitude is going to be my resolution for 2022. 
Uh, couldn't have said that any better. Um, certainly, we're grateful for the chance to do this uh, podcast with you every couple of weeks, Andy, and uh, and to have had so much good news at the end of this calendar year to report about uh, about Long Beach State. You know, it, it, it's I know that COVID's been difficult for everyone, but I think because of uh, the way that finances are, you know, I know how hard it was um, at Long Beach State, and I think it's it's great to see that you guys are pulling through it and getting kids back out on the court uh, as, as we did this year and making some big splashy hires that have uh, us very excited for 2022. So for everyone at the 562 and the LB Fee Show, thanks to producer Roger Kirk for uh, spending so much time cutting up uh, all this nonsense. Uh, thanks to our usual co-host, JJ Fiddler, couldn't be with us today. Uh, thanks to you, Andy, for having us. And uh, thanks to everyone in Beach Nation. We'll see you guys next year.